Welcome to The Coat Hanger on 2SER 107.3. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast and record this show, the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to elders past and present. The Coat Hanger is a show and podcast where we tackle women's footy with Sydney view. Stumbling over my words there. I'm your host, Fiona Lamb, and I'm coming to you from Garingai Landing Point Clare on the central coast of New South Wales, and I'm joined by... Lauren Hodson, and I'm uh, broadcasting to you from the Sutherland Shire, which is in Darawal country. Well, tonight we're going to review the grand final for AFLW Season 8, which was played um, on the weekend. And Lions won the chocolates. Congratulations to the Lions and commiserations to the Kangas. We're also going to talk about some details about um, players of note, um, update our recording of the um, league's best and fairest and talk about re-signings and also some delistings and acknowledge the Coach of the Year Award. So let's get started now with the um, with the grand final. So, look, I really had high hopes for um, for North Melbourne, and at three quarter time, I still had high hopes for North Melbourne, and then it all came crashing down. <laughs> yeah, it did. About uh, what five or six minutes, maybe a little bit longer into that last quarter. Uh, yeah, as you said, hopes came crashing down, um, well, falling down, and then they certainly crashed, didn't they? Because Brisbane really did get a wriggle on in in the last ten minutes. But um, and North hey, didn't what, what score a game at for all. the first three quarters. Like it's what you want from a grand final, isn't it? Really yes. close game. Yes, it was low scoring, but for me, that didn't detract from the contest. Um, everyone was so fierce at the ball, but tough at the ball in contest. You know, yeah. Um, so exactly what you want to see, what we expected. I think we both predicted that it would be a North win by one or two goals. Um, mm. But, yeah, it was, look, yeah, cracking game, great day for footy. Um, would have been interesting had Jenna Bruton not got injured in the first, what, two or three minutes? Three minutes in she got injured, yeah. Yeah, so not not good news for, for her and... Uh, it's but, an Achilles injury, apparently. Yeah, um, and Achilles sure. can often be out for about, depending on the severity, but if it's on the, the stronger end, I think that can be a bit of a, you know, like a, a year-long injury. So, um, and, you know, I often um, uh, I often wince when I see players um, wait bare when they're leaving the ground having been injured, but this time I winced because she wasn't weight-bearing. She had yes. to be carried off which just showed the severity of the injury and how much pain she was in. Well, that, that's right, particularly when they sort of showed some replays. You're thinking she hasn't rolled anything, she hasn't jarred and she hasn't moved. No. Thought, oh, this doesn't actually look look good. I um, Yeah, it was – but, look, you know, you've got to play with what you, you dealt on the day and, yeah, for three quarters it was a crack – I mean, look, it was a cracking game all day, but it was a cracking yeah. contest for three quarters – uh, you know, there was no score until I think, you know, a few minutes ago in that first quarter. Um, Jazzy Garner kicked the first goal of the grand final. Yeah. Uh, kicking first goals at Icon Park. That was just, yeah, at the pretty much the 16th minute she yeah. scored. Yeah. 
uh, you know, it took until the, the second quarter for Brisbane to, to get their first goal. I mean, half time there was a point in it. Uh, three quarter time there were seven points in it. Mm. So for 90% of the game, there was never more than, I think, you know, about a goal in it, seven points kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. In that last 10 minutes when, you know, look, Dakota Davidson, her first quarter, fourth quarter was brilliant, two goals. Um, and then the Lions kicked another couple of goals. I think Captain Bree Conan kicked the last goal of the game, I think. Um, yes. you know, she did that from a, a stoppage, um, you know, not far out from goal. So uh, it was, yeah, it was just that last 10 minutes where the Lions just uh, overran them and, and North just, you know, couldn't couldn't get the ball forward. And when, when Lions did, they converted their opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, so the... The goal scoring was shared out quite a bit. So, as you said, Dakota Davidson, two goals. Um, Dazzy Garner, two goals. Ellie Hampson, two goals. Um, Yeah, so three joint leaders there. Yeah, and all the other ones were um, all the other ones were were single goal kickers. Mm. uh, Yeah, I mean, even Olero Dwyer, her goal was was pretty impressive. And um, but yeah, it was look good conditions for footy. Um, you know the the crowd. There was a lot of you know talk in the lead up about the crowd and whether it should have been moved to a a bigger venue. But look, what I will say yeah. is, it sounded packed. The venue, obviously, it was. It was a sellout. So uh, I guess being a smaller venue with a full house, the atmosphere. It is pretty good because it, you know, it, it sounds full. But um, I tell you what, imagine how good it would have been if, you know, that crowd was doubled. But uh, you know, onwards and upwards. But uh, yeah, look, it was a fantastic game. Yeah, I, I do want to just pause there. Kelly Underwood really um, uh, pinned Nick Livingston yes, down she did, she? on the Outsiders program that morning. Just to say, look, the AFL owns Marvel Stadium. Why wouldn't you try and, you know, allow a bigger crowd in there? And you know, Nick Livingston didn't didn't back down at all. She just said, no, we just we need a we need a sold out crowd. And um, until we think we're going to get a sold out crowd at Marvel Stadium, we will keep playing it at the smaller venues. And um, you know, I really did appreciate Kelly's. Um, persistence on the point but there is something to be said for that that um that uh more crowds need to show up every game at princess park should be sold out and if it's not then that's shameful and the other thing that's shameful shame on you north melbourne fans for clearing out before the end of the game that's despicable you call yourselves football fans i did see um during the disgrace. A few, there was a few shots uh, that included the stands during the uh, medal ceremony and it, it did look like uh, there was a lot of empty seats and that many of the fans left behind were in the Brisbane colours. Look, I, yeah. I get it. I've seen my team in various sports lose grand finals at the top level. But um, I think generally, you know, like you should you be a good sport, yeah. Exactly, around. and I that's what I were... thought we had in AFLW. So I'm well, a bit, I thought bit so. disappointed. I thought so too. Yeah, 
This is Scott Gowns and you're listening to the Coat Hanger Footy Radio Show. Could do better. That's that's what you get on your report card. Well, yes, we could North do Melbourne better. North Melbourne fans could do better. Some people that uh, I don't know that they can do any better, again, <laughs> we like to look at our stats. Yes. Stats isn't everything, but they, they help tell a story. Jazzy Garner was the top disposal getter for the day. Yeah. She had 24, including her uh, two goals, and she also had seven tackles. Um, but get this, just on tackles, Isabel Dawes from the Lions, 20 disposals. She had 13 tackles. Right. Um, looking at the stats for Bree Conan, who ends up being best on ground, 19 disposals, one goal, 10 tackles. Uh, another line who's in double figures for tackles was Ellie Anderson. She also had 20 disposals. Um, Mia King and Alice O'Loughlin from North, they were um, they had nine tackles each. So it was a very high-pressure game. And I'm just having a look at this. If I'm reading this correctly, Fee, Courtney Hodder, it says she had 18 tackles. That's... Yeah, with, with a season average of 8.3. So she was a tackling machine. In that game, it says a lot about forward pressure, but uh, I think I'm not quite sure what the team stats are for tackles. But I've got a feeling that um, the Lions might have um, had that <laughs> had that weighted in their favour. I think I'll try and find them. But um, I remember the the commentators referring to it later. Yeah, here we are. I've got it. It's 109 Lions to 75 Kangaroos. So there you go. But, I mean, that's but that's a lot of tackles for the Kangaroos as well. Like seventy yep. fives, you, you're going at what nineteen a quarter or something. Mm. Yeah, then you compare that to the Lions, and uh, yeah, when you're hitting over a hundred, it's um, it's certainly pretty impressive. But another thing I like, uh, time in front. I'm just scrolling to the end of the stats page. Time in front. North Melbourne spent thirty six minutes and fifty six seconds in front on the scoreboard. Brisbane Lions twenty three fifteen. So you know something else. I mean, realistically, you only need to be in the front for a second, don't you? Yep, <laughs> well, that's right. You know, but uh, right at the yeah. end, certainly what you want to see a good good game of footy, a good day. The crowd were, um, you know, whilst they might have left a bit early, they were, um, you know, very supportive and at full voice whilst they were there. Yeah. Oh, so here's something else interesting. Kangaroo kicks. Kangaroos 132 to Lions 116. That's all very well to kick, but you better be accurate. <laughs> well, that's right. And, you know, we talk about this stat most weeks, um, disposal efficiency overall. Mm. North were 54.2, uh, Lions 60.8. So efficiency is probably down for both sides. Yep. Because you really would want to see it above that. but. Uh, you know, it shows that the, the more efficient side, and even inside 50s, um, sorry, efficiency inside 50, North were only 26.5. Now, Brisbane were only 42.9, so not great. Mm. Disposal efficiency, efficiency inside 50, um, I guess that's in the end that was a big difference, um, you know, as well. The Lions just used the ball better. And yeah. maybe that's reflective of the tackles. When North had the ball, they were under so much pressure because of the tackling from the Lions that, um, who knows, maybe they made mistakes because of that when they were being tackled or perceived pressure as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Elise Parker here and you're listening to The Coat Hanger. Okay, so Brie Conan got best on ground. 
She did very well deserved, I think. Well deserved. And also a shout out to that little Oz kicker who gave her her medal and walked yes. to the side of the stage and leapt off and gave a great big. Now, she wasn't <laughs> the one that did the arm flex. I think there's a, no. a few of the medal presenters that uh, made their mark. One I remember did an arm flex, and obviously you can't see it on radio, but I'm, I'm flexing both arms now. Yeah. And uh, the little Oz kicker that gave Ali Anderson her medal, wasn't that a, a lovely interaction? It was stage? very sweet, wasn't it? So she she uh, signed thank you in Ozland. So that was that was very sweet. Yeah, it was pretty special. Yeah. I'm Lisa Steen and you're listening to The Coat Hanger. When we were recording last week, the uh, W Awards were on and so we... We announced whoever we could uh, at the time, and we predicted that Jazzy Garner might get uh, the best and fairest. We were wrong. Who would have thought we would be wrong and that Jazzy Garner wouldn't get recognised? I mean. After all these years. <laughs> but we were wrong. Uh, it, uh, well, do you want to start from the, the winner or build up from the top ten? Why don't you build us up, Loz? All righty then. So <laughs> in 10th place on 13 votes was Anne Hatchard from Adelaide. So the crowd goes wild, the applause builds. <laughs> uh, in equal ninth, we had Georgie Presbarkas from Geelong, Jazzy Garner from North Melbourne and Ellie Anderson from the Brisbane Lions. Mm. Uh, Bonnie Toogood was uh, next. Uh, I think that makes her... Equal sixth. Uh, she was on 15, so really good season for her. Now, in sorry, and in equal second, we had five players. Uh, drum roll, please. Uh, Claudia Whitford from the Gold Coast Suns, Ash Riddell from North Melbourne, Amy McDonald from Geelong, and Chloe Malloy from the Sydney Swans. Chloe Malloy. The Moy Moy. Quite a bit in front on 23 votes from a possible 30. So she averaged 2.3 votes a game. Yeah. Was none other than Richmond's Monique Conti, who uh, in her off-season is going to play WNBL again. So no rest for the wicked. Is she and really? she also recognised that she's the Tigers' first ever winner of the AFLW Best and Fairest. Oh, there you go. Well, I must say she's been a very deserving player for many a season, so it is a great thing to see her recognised and so congratulations to Mon Conti. Yeah, certainly well-deserved. And, uh, you know, yeah, we, we mentioned, obviously, we went through the All-Australian side and, and some of the other winners like Goal of the Year and Mark of the Year last week. But, uh, yeah, nice to be able to report on the uh, the the winner and, uh, you know, having a swan finish equal second. Pretty yeah. uh, I think reflective of not just Colin Malloy's season, but the swans as a whole side improving. Yeah, exactly. Now, we, uh, we, I think we didn't mention this, but it, it was announced a little while ago, and that is that Zali Goldsworthy, rising star, season eight, has signed with Giants for another four years, as has Ali Morfitt for the swans. Yes. So that's really good to see. It's especially reassuring given that um, there were rumours uh, about that Ali Moore was being approached by 
uh, Melbourne team. I know. How dare they? <laughs> How dare well, they try and poach people? Mind you, I still reckon that Elise Parker should um, should roll the dice. Yes, well, that will be certainly one to watch in the off-season, won't it, to see mm. um, what offer she may or may not get and, and if she does, you know, what she what she's going to do. But, yeah, certainly for the Swans to get Ellie Morfitt re-signing long-term, um, massive plus. Because we mentioned on air last week she was second in the voting for Rising Star and she missed the last three rounds. Yeah. It's a bit of round seven from when she was injured. So yeah. and she missed out by I think was it one vote. So yes. um, you know, to get her it's to re sign long term, that's a massive, massive get for the club. Well shouldn't say yeah. get, but it's a really good sign for the retention. Sport, yeah. That's right. Yep. This is Maddie Collier and you're listening to the Coat Hanger. Hey Loz, who won the AFLW Senior Coach of the Year Award? Well, we speak about drum rolls. For the AFLW best and fairest. Mm-hmm. Uh, now this one, I think potentially this could be a first for the competition fee. Yeah. I don't think we've had it happen before. There was actually a tie. We actually had two coaches crowned as the AFL Coaches Association AFLW Senior Coach of the Year, and uh, they were uh, Brisbane Lions head coach Craig Startsevich. Uh, mm-hmm. So well done on him. Premiership coach uh, now, again. Now he's a dual premiership coach. And the second was none other than uh, friend of the pod, Sydney Swans coach, Scotty Gowans. Scott Gowans. Congratulations, Scott Gowans. So, so yeah, pretty, pretty impressive there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, talk about a, a meteoric rise, you know, after, again, a less than stellar season last year. Uh, making it to finals and and being recognised for his coaching and the, I mean we have recognised him as a coach for many years at VFLW level as well as AFLW level so um, it's just really good to see that recognition. Um, oh well, absolutely. I'm just reading from the the Swans website now. They had a chat to Gowans and he said, uh, "quote It's something I'll probably reflect on a little later, but I'm very proud to win this award." I'm well aware it's a result of being able to work with great people who make my job a lot easier. Uh, He then went on to say that time has been key to success, time to plan and prepare. In my case, I had a number of weeks off where I couldn't work, so I was able to sit, think and strategise. It allowed me to come back better and ready to go. Time is a marvellous thing. Obviously, too, the training habits of the players, having time to prepare and a proper season, sorry, pre-season really helped us. So, um, Interesting that, you know, he focuses a lot on the time and whether it be time for yourself, time to prepare, whatever that may be. But, yeah, certainly well-deserved. And as I said, um, also obviously for Craig Startsevich as well. But, uh, mm. yeah, it's, I think it's a good sign that they, they couldn't break him. You know, to have two coaches tying the votes is, um, I think it's a good thing for the competition. Yeah. Now, speaking of Swans, um, let's talk about the delistings because there's been some announcements, hasn't there? Yes, there have been some announcements. Uh, now, the Swans um, have announced, what have we got? I think it's five delistings so far. Um, so those I'll go through those plays in a moment, but the Swans have said they won't be offered new contracts with the club for the next season in 2024, and that is uh, Jenny Higgins, Sarah Ford, Jade Anthony, Kiara Beasley and Kate Reynolds. Um, it then goes on to talk about, uh, you know, each of the... Uh, the players 
Um, I should I should just point out um, Jennifer Higgins was actually an Irish import ahead of this season, uh, having played 13 seasons of senior Gaelic footy. Um, but unfortunately, uh, she had an ACL injury during a pre-season match, which then ruled her. Uh, so, yeah, the dreaded um, ACL injury, which, uh, yeah. yeah, it's unfortunately it feels like it's it's happening too often. But, uh, yeah, just sort of wanted to, to make um, mention it. And also, just as a bit of a, a personal note, Kiara Beasley, um, she was a, a Swans Academy product. She played four senior games last season. Um, she played her local footy for Southern Power. Uh, she was actually, uh, I remember her, her first season as a youth girl. Uh, it was Southern Power's second year of having youth girls, and I believe she joined then. So I guess from a personal and a local point of view for me, it's, it's always nice to see, I guess, the players that um, I guess you have some awareness of or may have had some interaction with get there. So hopefully she's not, uh, you know, lost to... AFLW and uh, yeah, mm. but look, it's um, it's always a hard time of the year, isn't it? Yeah, clubs have to make list changes, and unfortunately for these five players, they've been cut. But let's hope for them that uh, they they get opportunities um down the way. Yeah, I hope so. I'm Catherine Smith, and you're listening to the Coat Hanger. He's hoping. Well, look, it's been a bumper season. Um, we've had some ups, we've had some downs, we've had some disappointments, we've had some um, injuries, we've had a lot of coaches announce their retirement or or come to an agreement with their clubs. So uh, season nine is promising to be quite an interesting one. Um, and I tell you what, I'm I'm going to be interested to watch the Hawks. Uh, season next year because I reckon whoever gets an opportunity to uh, join that coaching panel has an interesting future ahead of them. Uh, It'd be an interesting one. And whilst we're on coaching, um, you know, we spoke about, as I said, coaching retirements, parting ways, you know, we've discussed player movements or player delistings and re-signings. An interesting thing popped up today with obviously West Coast. We've known for a while that they're going to be looking for a new coach. I think they were the first club to sort of, you know, I guess, uh, you know, news come out that they they would need a new coach next season. Mm. And um, something I was reading on, I think it was Code Sports today, was, you know, there's talk that, uh, you know, the Eagles might be interested in approaching or perhaps even with some support from the AFL about approaching Daisy Pierce. Um, so that would really? that'd be geographically a, certainly a very big move. Well, that'll be a uh, challenge uh, for her to be. Well, because she's got a, already got a role with the men's team in Geelong, hasn't she? Yeah, so, so I'm not quite sure how that she would work. make some that's tough decisions. To an AFL, I guess, sponsored program for, for female coaches to, to get opportunities. Right. I said it is certainly just a rumour at that stage and I think well, there will be a lot of uh, rumours and red-hot tips over the next few months, particularly until yeah. appointments were made. So it's not a matter of you heard it here first, but interestingly, just something we read. But I agree. Um, I think Hawthorne will be a really interesting one about who yeah. gets that and how they'll go. I do think their list is, is promising. They are quite young. Um, I then think... Look, Collingwood's always interesting and, look, obviously I'm a supporter so I'm going to be biased, but given their profile, it's always going to be a lot of pressure for whoever comes into the job. Yeah. 
I do think the West Coast one, I think that's quite challenging, not just because location-wise, WA is obviously a lot further away from, you know, the other footy states and, mm. and you know, potentially other things. But uh, West Coast, in their, their years in the comp, they've not had a great time of it. So, you know, I think it's going to be a challenge for whoever takes it on. Yeah. And, uh, I know we've got a couple of other coaching roles, um, you know, up for grabs as well. I, I must admit, I can't quite remember them off the top of my head, but I think we've got four or five altogether. But, yeah, uh, so it's Hawks, uh, Bulldogs, uh, West right, Coast Bulldogs. and Collingwood. Yeah. So Bulldogs, yeah. yeah. So the Bulldogs are the one I was forgetting. That one will be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, we'll see how they go. Hopefully, look, you want the clubs to appoint the best people, but let's hope that there's some, uh, some females, um, you know, in the mix. Yep, I hope so. This is Ayla Sheeran. For the best harbour views and women's footy, tune into the Coat Hanger. Well, Lars, it has been an absolute pleasure. I must give you my heartfelt thanks um, for your dedication to the pod this year, especially <laughs> that time you had to do the whole show by yourself. <laughs> thanks oh, well, very much. Couldn't no, have done no, it without no. you. This has been the final coat hanger for season eight. My heartfelt thanks also to 2SER 107.3, especially production coordinator Michael Jones, who ensures that the show is set up each week and the pod gets into your ears. Also program manager Anthony Dockrell, who has supported the coat hanger since inception. Loz Hodgson, my co-hostess with the mostess. Coach Lisa Kiwi-Roper and Christy Williams for joining the panel occasionally this season. Special guest coach Donnie Hess, host of the YouTube podcast Donnie's Disposals. We're looking forward to season nine next year. And as always, for the best harbour views in women's footy, tune in to The Coat Hanger.